0: All passed the test, and we're very proud of them. There's no test, I'm just kidding. But um, uh, you'll see that class come up from time to time. That class is for two purposes. Uh, If you just want to know more about us and what our vision is and who we are, what we believe, uh, what our core values are, you can take that class just for information. If you are interested in becoming a member, that class is a requirement. So we would love to have you in our next 101 class. Can we just welcome these folks as members of our church? Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Paul gives us four principles in the Bible as it relates to anger, tells us how to deal with it. Uh, God's word is so awesome because it doesn't leave us hanging uh, on important issues like anger. And so let's look at it in the word of God today. Uh, Paul says that it is possible for you as a Christian, for anybody for that matter, to be able to let off a little steam without getting burned, and that's very, very important. So let's read Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. There are three do-nots in this passage. Listen, when God says do not, he is not depriving you, he is not withholding. When God says do not, God is protecting you. He's protecting you. Every time God says do something, In the Bible, and every time God says, Don't do something in the Bible, it is for your good. God always has, this ought to be very comforting to you, but God always has your best interest at heart. Don't ever forget that. He has three do nots. He says, In your anger, didn't say don't get angry. He says, When you get angry, do not sin. And that is actually a quote from the Old Testament. Psalm 4 and 4 says basically the same thing. And Paul is quoting uh, from the psalmist in uh, Psalm 4 and 4. Then he says a second do not. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then a third one. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now let me tell you what we believe about the devil here at Whitley Church. We believe three things about the devil. He's a decided fact. He does exist. He is a destructive force. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and that is without exception. Thirdly, he is a defeated foe because of the death of Jesus on the cross, his burial in the grave, and his resurrection. The enemy, Satan, is not going to be defeated, He already is. He already is, and God wants you to walk in that. He wants you to walk in that victory that's already been won over the enemy. So uh, he tells us, don't sin when we get angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Now, in our first principle on dealing with anger, we told you that the first thing you need to do if you want to get anger under control in your life is to admit it. Admit it. Don't pretend you're not angry. Don't say you're not angry. Don't say you never have anger in your life. We all do. We just deal with it differently. And how you deal with it is very, very important. So just own up to it. Just speak it. Don't feel guilty about it. Again, don't pretend you're not. Admit it. And, uh, and remember that God says you can be angry and not commit a sin against him. Second principle in managing your anger is this. Understand it. Admit it. Understand it. We found out that anger is actually an emotional response to three deeper emotions that you may be going through. When we are angry, it is either because we have been wounded And sometimes that wound took place very early in our life as children. It could be a recent wound. It could be a two-year-old wound like we saw in the skit. But you're wounded. You've been offended. You've been hurt. Maybe you're wounded very deeply. Some of you sitting here in an audience this large, uh, somebody here has been abused as a child. Some of you have been abused severely. Some of you have been abused verbally but not physically. Some physically but not verbally. Some both. Those are wounds. And when you're wounded, anger can come out of that. Now, I don't have time to go into detail about that, but if you want to hear the other messages on anger, you can go to our website, click on media, and then click on podcast. And you can listen to our sermons anytime, absolutely free of charge. Also, let me tell you that if you'd like to purchase a CD, we make those available and there's a table right back here in the overflow where you can order CDs of the service. Um, But let me just tell you that God wants you to analyze When you get angry, God wants you to analyze it. He wants you to admit it, but then he wants you to analyze it. He wants you to understand where that anger came from. He wants you to look inside yourself and say, Why did I get angry? Why did that upset me? What is really the issue here? And uh, we found out that when you get angry, you're wounded. It could be frustration. We were talking about the reasons for anger. Frustration could be another reason for that. And then uh, being fearful, being afraid, being insecure. These are the three basic reasons why we get angry. Now let's go over those again. Wounded could be rejection or criticism or some injustice that's been done to you. Uh, frustration, uh, we live in a world where, where stuff goes wrong, doesn't it? No matter, you know, the best laid plans can uh, just go awry. Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Sometimes life's like that. It's just like that. And I got to tell you something. You can be very, very deep spiritually. You can be a very, very uh, uh, powerful Christian who prays and reads your Bible and goes to church and serves God and fasts and, and you can be really, really close to God. Can I just break some news to you? The best, greatest, most awesome Christians in the world, stuff doesn't go right in their life sometimes. It is the world we live in. It is called life. Stuff just doesn't work out. Sometimes it seems like uh, it's one thing after another or it's several things at one time. And boy, you're really being tested when that happens. Career pressures and broken relationships and debt and financial stuff and all of that can cause frustration. And then um, um, fear, which deals with fear and, and it deals with being threatened when you feel threatened, when you feel insecure. All right. So now let's look at the other two principles that Paul gives us in the Bible about how to deal with fear. The third one is this. So the first one's admit it. The second one's understand it. The third one is deal with it immediately. When you get angry, deal with that anger immediately. What does Paul say? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And that's what Paul is saying to us. Paul is saying, look, you're going to get mad, that's fine, but don't put off dealing with it. Don't prolong your anger. Don't draw it out. Now, here's what happens. If somebody offends you or somebody threatens you or somebody frustrates you or somebody wounds you and you feel angry, that's fine. That is a human, natural human reaction. And um, it is a valid reaction to many situations of life. Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to not deal with it because then that anger that's okay becomes resentment. And resentment becomes bitterness. And when anger becomes resentment and bitterness, that is when it becomes a sin. So that is what Paul means when he says you can anger, but don't sin. So when you feel angry, wounded, frustrated, threatened, fearful, insecure about it, and you feel anger about that, Paul is saying deal with it. Deal with it right then. Um, you say, but my anger is justified. I understand that. But there's no justification for resentment. There's no justification for bitterness. Just like the skit, just like the guy in the video, there's no justification for resentment and bitterness because that is always sinful. You are not to carry a grudge. You are not to nurse that grudge and and care for that grudge and feed that grudge. Uh, Let me give you a graphic illustration. Um. In my life, I have battled cancer three different times, three different kinds of cancer. Now, when you battle three different kinds of cancer at three different times in your life, you learn about cancer. (laughs) So I learned a lot about cancer. And here's one of the things I learned. When they found the tumor in my eye, there was a tumor in my eye. When they found it, the doctor's primary goal was to cut off blood flow. To that tumor. He said, if I can cut off blood flow to that tumor, it will die. And that's what God is saying about a grudge. A grudge is an emotional malignancy. It is an emotional malignancy. And if you nurture it and you cultivate it and you give it life, it will destroy you. But if you cut it off, if you don't feed it, don't nurse it, don't take care of it, let it die. Let that grudge die inside of you. And and that is what God is calling us uh, to do this morning. Paul is saying resolve each day's anger, listen to this, by the end of the day. If you have an altercation in the midst of a day, Paul is saying deal with that before you go to bed that night. You say, but I've tried to do that, and the other person will not respond. Then it's off you. It's off you. That responsibility is off you. Do your best. And if they won't respond, then you just go to bed and rest and go to sleep that night because you've done what God wants you to do. Okay? So so don't cultivate that grudge and don't go to bed angry. Now, when I was at the bridge this week, I misspoke and said, don't go to bed hungry. So I think that was the real me right there. I'm not sure that was a mistake. Uh, how many of you know if you go to bed hungry, it will make you angry? Exactly. So I, I don't know about y'all, but I hear food talking. I mean, I'd be sitting in my big chair at night, and I hear it going, Feral. And I look around, and it's not my wife or my son. It's the peanut butter. Anybody else out there, food talks to you? <laughs> All right. Uh, so why does God say don't go to bed angry? Why does God say that? Why is that in his word? Well, before we answer that question, uh, this rule of, of not going to bed angry really applies to marriage a lot, doesn't it? You husbands and wives out there, you know, I remember when I first got married, you know, I was real sensitive about stuff and And uh, I got to tell you something, man, the older I get, you give me some Krispy Kreme and a cheeseburger, I'm happy. You can do whatever you want to, Uh, Bojangles. Um, And so, but when I was younger, I had this uh, picture of marriage. And and, um, you young guys out there, listen to me. We get this utopia picture of marriage. And you know how everybody's supposed to act and what everybody's supposed to say. And especially guys, you know, we're okay with what we say. We think everything we say is okay. But boy, she can sure mess up sometimes. And and, you know, Millie and I, uh, we would have some long night discussions. I remember us talking sometimes, two or three o'clock in the morning. Uh, because we just wanted to get stuff dealt with, you know, before we tried to go to sleep. I don't know that we were really looking so much at that scripture. I just remember those nights in our early marriage when it took some of that to iron out our differences and come to understand each other. Um, But uh, I got to tell you something. I was gifted, man. I was athletic and uh, ambidextrous. What does that mean? Uh, that you can use either hand. I don't know what that means. But anyway, uh, you know the little ridge on the edge of the, of the mattress? That little, that little, I could sleep on that. When I was mad, I could get on that little edge and sleep on it. Turn my back to her, buddy. I was showing her. I didn't sleep all night and I was miserable. But, buddy, I showed her, you know. And she's over there just snoring away, you know. But, um, uh, you know, don't go to bed with your back to each other, guys. Don't do it. Don't go to bed like that because it will fester it will become resentment, it will become, uh, um, it will become bitterness. I heard about this uh, couple that was getting some counseling and they were having some marital problems and the guy who was counseling was trying to get down to the nitty-gritty, you know, and really get down to the bottom line of what was calling, causing their problems. So he was just asking some questions. And he said, um, well, let me ask this. He said to the man, he said, when you wake up in the morning, he said, do you wake up grouchy? He said, no, I always let her sleep. And see, that was not the right answer. That was not the right answer. So don't put it off. Don't prolong it. Deal with anger on a moment-by-moment basis. When you go to bed at night, make sure your conscience is clear. Y'all with me? Make sure your conscience is clear and make sure there's no disharmony. Here's the rule. Here's the rule. All you married couples out there, here's the rule. Nobody gets to go to sleep until harmony is restored. Nobody gets to sleep until harmony is restored. So, now why does God say this to us? Why does God say, don't get angry um, and, and go to bed? Don't go to bed with that anger. Because God knows that this would be dangerous to us physically. It is dangerous to us physically if we do that. How many of you have ever heard somebody say when they get mad, that really burns me up? Y'all have heard people say that? That just really burns me up. Well, they're exactly right. Because anger is negative energy. It is negative energy. It is destructive energy when it is not dealt with. And that's exactly why Paul says you've got to deal with it early because if you just leave it in there, it really is like fire inside of you and it destroys, it will will eat away. You've got to do something with that energy when you're angry. Now, what I'm going to say here may sound a little bit funny, but I'm telling you, throw a pillow, you know, don't throw it at her, but throw a pillow. You know, or 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 really, guys, I'm telling you, go to the gym and, and get on the treadmill, uh, run around the block, run around the house, walk. Go do something because there's energy in there. That anger brings that kind of uh, energy up in you, and you need to deal with it. And what Paul is saying is don't take it out on each other. Talk it out. Walk it out. Go to the gym. Do something to get rid of that energy because if you don't, that fire inside of you is not going to just lay there, it begins to attack your body. It begins to attack the organs of your body. It'll, it'll make your stomach hurt. You ever heard somebody say, ever since I had that argument with him, my stomach has been in It affects you physically. And so your head begins to hurt, your back, your shoulders, anything from asthma to arthritis. Anger can get all that stuff stirred up inside of you. Scientists have proven that when a person gets angry, there is a definite biochemical change that goes on in the body. And those adrenal glands, when you get mad and you don't deal with it, those adrenal glands inside of you start shooting all kind of stuff out into your body. And and your palms begin to swell. and your temperature is raised and your blood pressure goes up and your heart rate increases and you get nervous and and you're trembling when you get mad. All of that proves to us That our body is affected when anger isn't dealt with. It will affect you physically. Somebody pointed out that there's only one letter's difference in the word danger and the word anger. And what God is saying to us here today is with this negative energy, when it gets inside of you and it gets all built up inside of you, and then you try to go to sleep while you're asleep, if you haven't dealt with it, it will literally eat you up on the inside and here's how it affects you it will affect you emotionally it will affect you physically it will affect you socially in your social life if you're an angry person people aren't going to want to be around you it will affect relationships in your life it will affect your home it will affect your health your joy friendships so admit it understand it and deal with it immediately when you have anger now let me give you one more and then we're done you got to control it. you got to control it. Your anger has to be brought under control. And I'm going to give you a little three-step idea on how to control anger in your life. So listen carefully. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Why not? Because it hurts us emotionally. We've already talked about that, socially, physically. But here's the most important reason you can't let anger take over your life. Because it hurts you spiritually. It hurts your relationship with God. It hurts your relationship with God. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at Ephesians 4.27. He says, when you get angry, don't sin. Don't go to bed angry because if you don't handle anger like this, the devil is going to get a foothold in your life. What does that mean? I want you to listen carefully to this teaching because it's very, very, very important. It is possible for you to be a Christian, a Jesus-loving, Bible-loving, church-loving Christian and not deal with anger the way you ought to. How many of y'all met some angry people at church? Now, of course, not this church. We're always talking about some other church. But we have angry people. We run into that. at this. Of course we do. And and we have angry people in our family, but they're Christians. You go, what's going on with that? Here's here's Satan's plan. Listen, if he cannot prevent you from giving your life to God, if he does everything he can to keep you from committing to Jesus, because already in this service this morning, I've asked you to commit to Jesus, and I'm going to ask you again before we leave to make a commitment to Jesus. Well, Satan doesn't want that. But if you go beyond his will on that and go ahead and invite Jesus into your life and begin to serve Jesus, here's the next thing Satan wants to do. Here's the next thing. He wants to throw a lure out there to you called resentment and bitterness. And he wants to tell you you deserve it and you've been treated unfairly and you've been treated. And he wants you to bite that bait. Now, I've got some fishermen sitting here that are way better fishermen than me, but you know what? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that when that bass takes that lure in his mouth and you feel that on, on on the pole, what's your next action? When you know he's got that thing in his mouth, what's your next action if you're a good fisherman? Set that hook. You want to set that hook in that jaw. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do with you as it relates to anger. Hear the word of the Lord to you this morning. If he cannot get you to turn your back on God, then what he wants to do is use anger to make your witness impotent. To make your witness impotent have no power. This woman who was standing up here in the skit today, she was a Christian, but this grudge was attached to her, so her witness was no good. Her witness was no good. I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to just be real blunt right here. The enemy, I believe the enemy would rather start a church fuss and a church argument and split a church than to sell drugs on the street. Because I believe it does more damage. I believe churches fussing and fighting and fuming and Christians fussing and fighting and fuming. And we know Paul dealt with it because he addressed it. And there's all kind of scriptures in the Bible addressing Christians who can't get along. But I'm telling you, the enemy's doing everything he can to bring division everywhere he can. I'm telling you, I see it every day. Even on our very staff here at Whitley Church, Satan tries to bring division in the staff. He tries to bring division every way he can. And the reason I mention the staff is because I don't want you to think that somehow we're spiritual elitists. that he doesn't work on us and try to divide us. He's trying all the time within your ministries that are within this church. He's always trying to bring division and break us up. Because he knows if he can do that, our testimony is shot. And we can't influence lost people for Christ. We give them an excuse. We give them. When we don't deal with anger biblically, we give people who don't know Christ an excuse to say, Why should I give my... If that's how it is being a Christian... That's I I don't even have those kind of arguments. I gotta tell you something, man. If I was outside the church, there have been some church arguments I've seen. I'd go, you know what? I'm not even serving God. And I've never been in a fight like that right there. Isn't it the truth? Shame on us. Shame on us. I just woke some people up. Shame on us. Paul says, Go ahead and get angry, it's fine, but don't sin. And when you get angry, deal with it immediately. Because when you don't, it becomes a habitual way of dealing with everything in your life. All of a sudden, you got this little issue over here you were mad about. And all of a sudden, you held on to it and you nursed it and you nursed that grudge. And all of a sudden, it begins to spill beyond that situation. And all of a sudden, anger is just all over you. And in everything you do, anger is coming out. And, and it's affecting people because of that one hurt in your life that you didn't deal with. You say, well, I might need some counseling. I might need some help. We're here. We're here to help you. you. Call us. We hook people up all the time with people to talk to and get that thing dealt with in your life and, 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 and kill that thing at the root. Y'all hearing me? So it's important. Practical steps. Here they are. When I was in school and when I was in grammar school, um, I had uh, my grammar teacher teach me this. When you see... And she was talking about stop signs and and stop lights. But she said, when you see red, stop, look, and listen. When you see red, so let's make that red anger. When you see anger, when that wave of glory that is not of God, amen? You know that feeling, boy, when somebody does something or says something and, You just feel something go over you, and it ain't Jesus. When you feel that, and is that natural, and is that okay, and is that a valid response? Yes, but when you feel that, there's some stuff you need to do right up front. Number one, stop. Stop. Don't make another move. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Stop, because when we are angry, our mouths are about three or four feet in front of our brain. Do not get your mouth running before you get your brain in gear. I don't know about y'all, but I'm te- y'all know what WD-40 is? Words have WD-40 on them when you get angry. They just slide out. I mean a shy person that cannot speak in a crowd you make them mad and they become a gifted orator Don't they? They become brilliant. They become they become, excuse me. Become witty and sarcastic and quick with their words. I mean, buddy, they're just this meek little thing, you know, they hardly ever say anything, but boy, you make them mad. Yea unto thee I say, I am about to be a jerk to you, you know, I mean, they're, I'm telling you, man, it's amazing, isn't it, how when we get angry, how easy the words come out for us, but you know what one writer said, a sharp tongue is the quickest way to cut your own throat. Proverbs 14, 17 says this, a quick-tempered man, and ladies, that means human, not just men, but a quick-tempered human does what? Foolish. Foolish things. Foolish things. Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir it up, stir up anger. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives vent to his anger. What kind of person gives Vent. A fool. But a wise man, a wise woman keeps himself under control. Stop and think before you speak. Somebody said if you keep blowing your stack, you just keep adding to air pollution. Amen. Some of y'all get that going home. Number two. When you see red, what? When you see red, you now, let's look, look. What does that mean, pastor, to look? This means that you ask God in a situation where somebody's offending you or somebody's coming against you or somebody's saying some stuff to you that's really getting you fired up, you're asking God, God, help me see this from your perspective. Because when we're mad, come on, when we're mad, there's one perspective we're concerned about. Mm, This guy. We're concerned about, so I'm talking about Christians now, because you have a ability, you have a spiritual ability as a Christian to say, God, help me to bring this under control. Now, unbelievers, you know, sometimes they have more self-control than we do. But we as Christians ought to have Holy Spirit control in our life where we're able to stop when we see red and we're able to look at it. Because when you get really, really mad, I'm going to just tell you all, when you get really, really mad, it's a mild temporary form of insanity. I mean, I've seen people who are just great, great people, and they get mad, they lose their mind. I mean, all of us really, to a way, to uh, to us, in a sense, we we don't think logically when we're angry because it's all about our view of things, and we, and this mild form of mental illness comes into our life, and, and you're not thinking straight. So you got to stop. You got to. You know, it's like it's like the lady sitting in the chair a while ago. You know, home, you know, hum just you know just breathe just take some deep breaths count to ten and think and here's what I'm really asking you to do get a hold of this is be mature enough this is huge let me get some water right before I say it be mature enough to let some little hurts just pass you know most of us though we don't let any hurt pass you hurt me but you know yeah. You know, get that, you know. and uh, so we—I don't even know what that is. I, karate Kid or something? I don't know what that is. But we just go into fight mode. Here, here's what we gotta do, guys. We gotta say, we gotta say, Jesus, when somebody, and, and here's what he'll do, man. You can just, maybe you've had a bad day, you can come to church on a Wednesday night or something, and, and somebody just, man, just slips that blade in, you know? Y'all know people who can just kind of slip the blade in and go, huh. <laughs> you know? And then they do it in such a way that if you react, they go, oh, look at you, what you're doing. I know people who are masters at that. They're really good at that. Yeah. I'm not going to point, but I know people like that. Here's what God's saying. God's saying, be mature enough that when that happens, and and when that criticism, insult, uh, that put down comes your way, that you just don't automatically go into fight mode. Now, for that to happen, you've got to have some spiritual maturity in your life so when you get really really mad really really quick and you don't think and you're shooting your mouth off and you're spouting out stuff and there's unbelievers around and all kind of things you're just doing this and they know you're a christian they know you go to whitley church i'm telling you man you've just made it all about you and not about jesus or his kingdom and so god is saying get a hold of yourself and learn to overlook a minor hurt a minor hurt. Now, a major hurt, you've got to deal with that. But we need to really have some little hurts that come into our life that we go, you know what, I don't even have to deal with that because I'm not going to let that bother me. You know, that's just how that person is. I kind of see, you know, what's going on there. And uh, <coughs> I, want, I want to see it the way God wants me to see it. So um, Proverbs 12, 16, look at this. A fool shows his annoyance at once. That means immediately. Who does that? What kind of person? A fool. fool. But a prudent, which means wise, man overlooks an insult. Isn't that a good verse right there? And look at this, Proverbs 19.11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. Now, wisdom doesn't come from human stuff. It comes from God. So that's a God thing. Uh, A man's wisdom that he got from God... That will give him patience. And I love the last part of this verse. It is his glory. It is the glory of a human. It is the glory of a human. And what that means is when you overlook an offense, see that's what the last part of that verse says? When you overlook an offense, it brings glory to God. It brings honor to God. People go, i have got to tell you, man, if that was me, I'd take that guy's head off. So I don't know what that guy's got in him. And then they might come to you and even say, man, how were you able to not really just kind of strike back, at least verbally, to that person? And that opens the door for you to say, hey, dude, it wasn't me. It was Jesus in me who gave me the power, who gave me the control I needed. Y'all with me out there? All right. So you got to get God's point of view because a lot of times... Let me just say this, and, and I'll move on, and I, I know I'm going to kind of past my time a little bit, but let me just finish this because it's so important. A lot of times we've got this spirit of offense on us. And I've got to tell you, man, Christians can be the world's worst. we got this big chip on our shoulder. And we're offended easier than anybody else is offended. And, and you know, you come to church, boy, and you've got to walk on eggshells because we're all full of the Holy Spirit, but, boy, you better not say the wrong thing, or we're hurt for the next five years. Come on. Come on, guys. we got to say, God, help me think about this right. Because if you're walking around looking to be offended, then you're going to get offended. If you're walking around and, and you've just kind of got this thing where you think you're going to get hurt, you think you're going to get threatened, you think somebody's going to say something out of the way, then guess what? You're going to get something said to you and you're going to take it as something out of the way. So what you want to do is say, God, help me in the way I'm thinking. L- listen, here's what you want to pray. God, help me not to interpret little things that people say, whether they meant to hurt me or not. Help me to know how to just kind of just let that you know, like water on a duck's back. You ever seen water on a duck's back? You pour water on a duck, it just runs right off. Just say, God. I remember, um, I remember uh, Leanne Poole. Leanne was our secretary for years here at the church. And she used to say this when stuff would happen. She'd go, light affliction, light affliction. <laughs> Amen. That's a light, that's, that's Bible. That's a light affliction. I'm not going to make that a major affliction when it's just a light affliction. Treat light things that way. Don't, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Just, just be mature enough that you can just brush off some little things. Let me give you this final one. When we see red, we stop. When we see red, we look. When we see red, we listen. And here's what I'm talking about when I say that. You've got to ask God for discernment because sometimes the person who's saying the thing to you that makes you mad, if you could understand their situation, then you wouldn't react with a lot of anger. So you have to ask God, God, help me to hear them. When they make that obnoxious statement, when they make that, that statement that is offensive to me or offensive to my church or offensive to my family, or they make that statement that just really rubs me the wrong way, God, help me to understand that what they're really saying is I wish somebody would love me. Do you know some people want attention No matter what kind of attention it is. And if they found out that being obnoxious and just kind of ticking everybody off will get you to at least pay some attention to them, then they will adopt that lifestyle and they'll walk it and live it. It's got to be a miserable one, but it's the only way they know to get attention. But if you as a Christian... If God helps you discern that that's what's happening, then you cannot react the way they thought you would react, and it will be a witness to them, and you might actually get an opportunity to to help them and to talk to them. Because they may come to you and go, you know, most of the time when I say something like that, the person really gets really mad at me, but you didn't really get mad at me. Why didn't you get mad? And that's your open door right there to talk about Jesus and to talk about what he means in your life. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, I want somebody to pay me some attention. And being nice and, and not being controversial hasn't worked for me, so I'm going to be a jerk. But I'm going to get your attention one way or the other. See, you've got to be able to hear that when they say that thing that is offensive. You've got to hear that. They're saying, help me. Help me. I'm hurting. I'm hurting, but I really don't know how to tell you. I don't really know how to say I'm hurting. I need somebody to touch me. I need somebody to reach out to me, but I really don't know how to say that. So the only thing I know to do is be overbearing. And see, what we want to do when somebody is overbearing is we want to automatically, look, I'm preaching to myself here this morning. We automatically want to stand up and go, man, that's ridiculous what you just said, and just start an argument. But look what the Bible says about starting an argument. Proverbs 17, 14, starting a quarrel is like breaking a dam. So so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Learn to be able to just go, you know what, I'm not going to react to that. James 1 and 19, look at this. Everyone should be quick to what? Slow to and slow to become. So if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, then anger is not going to be as big a part of your life. Now let me say a word to parents before I totally close. In Ephesians 6 and 4, the Bible says fathers, and what it means is parents. And I know it's talking primarily to men there because the men are to be the spiritual leaders in their house. You're to be the spiritual leader. But it's talking to parents. Mom, dad, do not frustrate your children and do not provoke them to anger. I believe that the Two major ways we provoke our children to anger is this. And and, and when it talks about provoking them to anger, I, I, I think it means building up resentment and anger issues in our children don't build up anger and resentment issues in your children. Here's how we do that as parents though. Number one, number one is we bring our anger home with us, and I already preached on this a little bit, but I want to talk about it again because it's huge, and we bring it into the house, and we can't vent that anger with our boss, and we can't vent that anger, anger with people out here, so what we do is we come into the house where the people in the house love us the most and care about us the most and, and have tender hearts toward us the most, and they're the most vulnerable and there really isn't anything they can do about it. So we come home and we dump all that stuff on them. And I'm going to tell you something. Kids who grow up in that, they also grow up and mature to act it out in their lives and with their families. So, guys and men, you're you're bad for that. Ladies, though, you you, you know we it's almost all women are career women now, working outside the home. So you're bringing home a bunch of stuff too. I'm gonna tell you something, y'all to do, and it might look weird, but y'all to put a bucket at your door. And every time you walk into that house and you see that bucket, you need to stand right there and just unload all that bitter stuff, all that anger, all those injustices that were done to you at work, all the gossip that was said about you, all the stuff you have to deal with, the pressures at work, and you need to unload it right there, and you need to be done with it and walk in that house and love on that wife and love on that husband and love on those children. And don't provoke those children to anger because that's wrong. That's a sin. Now, I didn't say it. God said it. The other way we do it is by not letting our children be angry. By looking at our children and say, that's disrespectful. Now, I'm not talking about letting them be disrespectful. You guys know how I hear about, how I believe about that and what I say about that. I think it's always wrong when a child is allowed to be disrespectful. But we've got to allow our children to express anger. Anger is a valid emotion. It is a God-given emotion. So when our children get angry, here's what you do. Teach them the stop, look, and listen thing. Teach them that. And, and teach them little while their hearts are tender, this is the way you deal with anger. And then they will grow up to deal with anger in a healthy way. But if you look at them and go, you don't pay any bills around here, so you're not allowed to be angry. You know? what? Well, the famous words of a Father. As long as you put your feet under my table, boy. You know, you're going to live by my rules. Well, that's fine. I understand that. I've used that myself. Sounded good when I said it, too. But I'm going to tell you something. When you say to your children you can't be angry, you are saying to them, even though God gave you permission to be angry without sinning, I'm not giving you that permission. And so they what? Hold it in. They clam up. They bring it in and clam, clam up. And God says, don't do that to your children, how do we know anger's a good thing? you know what? if the Puritans hadn't gotten mad at the restrictions in England, there wouldn't be a United States of America. If Abraham Lincoln hadn't gotten mad about slavery, uh, the slaves might not have been freed, but he got mad about it. you know if if Gandhi hadn't got mad, the people of India might never have gotten their freedom so Anger is a valid response. We've got to teach our children the difference. Okay? I hope this series has been a help to you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, we need you to help us. God, I mean, I'm standing up here preaching this sermon, and I've got these issues in my life. I battle with these very things I'm preaching about here. So God, help me to admit my anger. Help me to come to understand it and deal with it immediately. Help me to control it by stopping, looking, and listening. And you know what, Jesus? You're in the hurt business, so I'm asking you to heal the hurts in my life and in my heart and fill me with love. And Jesus, I ask you to take away my frustrations and fill me with peace. And I ask you to take away my fears and insecurity and fill me with your confidence. I want you to be the controller of my life. I want you to help me overcome my temper, Jesus. I can't do it without your help. Help me learn to be angry and not sin. Help me to learn to look at life from your point of view. Help me to see the needs and hurts of other people. Help me to think before I speak. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, would you just would you just say this to him? Just say it in your heart. Jesus, I need you in my life. And I just ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I want you to come into my heart and be my king. I mean, I've always admired you, Jesus. I've always thought a lot of you. But I want to go further. I want you to rule my life. You died on the cross in my place. You paid for my sin. They buried you to forget you, but you rose from the dead. Jesus, cleanse me. Adopt me into your family. And make me one of your children this morning. My goodness will not get me to heaven. I must be born again. I must be born of the Spirit. So Jesus, I ask you, To help me experience that new birth in you today. I want to start over. My life's been a mess. I want to start over this morning. Make me a new creation, Jesus. And help me start over in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, if you pray.